This is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League. Presented by United Dairy Farmers. The Reds are on the radio. The Hot Stove League is brought to you by the Holy Grail Banks Tavern and Grill, Norcom. Your audiovisual information technology solutions provider, Norcom.com. JTM Food Group. Let's create great dishes together. Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. And by MSA Design. Design, create, innovate. The Reds Hot Stove League is brought to you by Kelsey Chevrolet, home of lifetime powertrain protection and guaranteed credit approval. From our family to yours for life, visit KelseyChev.com. RNL Carriers, your global transportation provider. Visit RLC.com today. And by United Dairy Farmers, UDF now makes donuts in our new family bakery from our own recipe. The Reds are on the radio. Now the Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network on 700 WLW. Good evening, and we are tickled pink to be uh, talking Reds baseball for the next hour. With Jim Day, I am Tommy Thraw, and welcome in to the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Hopefully have some time to take your phone calls today. We'll be visiting with Aaron Harang here shortly. Also, we're going to have from the Cincinnati Inquirer, Bobby Nightingale on talking some new rules. Of course, he had an article in the paper uh, this week as well, discussing a few issues with regards to the Reds. We might get into some of those as well. Jim, how are you on this beautiful Wednesday? According to you, I'm tickled pink. So <laughs> Glad to hear that. We're good, even though you made fun of my hat this evening. I, I did. I good spirits. Came to let you in. I didn't know if I was letting you or George Burns in today. Well, so, you know. It's a good hat. Thank you. It's a good hat. Thank uh, you. Very self-aware. Are you oh. driving me home later? Uh, Hello, <laughs> 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 Cap. All right, that's uh, enough. Yeah, All right, okay. fair enough. I've given you a hard time uh-huh. enough. Uh, anyways, Aaron Harang uh, will be on. He'll talk a little fantasy uh, fantasy camp. Uh, no fantasy camp this year. It'll be back again next year, presented by PNC Bank. Uh, so we'll talk about that with him. Mm-hmm. You've you've chatted with him before. He has a few stories to tell. Oh, he has a lot of stories to tell, most that we can't tell on the air. <laughs> uh, yeah, I covered his whole career when he was uh, with the Reds and uh, beyond. Uh, had him on my podcast. Uh, he's uh, one of the best guys that has ever worn a Reds uniform as far as people go and was an outstanding pitcher. So uh, looking forward to talking to him again. I keep looking around different message boards, um, you know, looking at uh, the fan comments, fan reactions, social media. And uh, by the way, I think I'm the first person to mes- uh, mention message boards in the last 15 to 20 years. So how's your uh, MySpace? It's very good. Page going. It's very good. It, it, Just okay. added a new track to it. It's okay, great. Good, oh, yeah. You should good. check it out. Sounds great. Uh, but anyway, so um, I, I know one of the concerns and one of the things that I continue to see over and over again is that fans seem to think that the Reds are in this rebuilding mode. And I just don't I don't see that, and I think it, it's important to, to kind of clear the air there because I don't get the sense at all. Maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm missing something, but I do not get the sense that this is a team that is trying to rebuild. Heck, they were picked this week by yeah. Vegas to win the division. Yeah. No, and that that's a byproduct of the world we live in now. We live in a society of 144 characters or – Maybe it's more. It used to be 144 <laughs> characters. Um, Back when MySpace but was popular. But the people that are on the fringe that kind of pay attention to news in the offseason or your fringe fan or even your layman fan, uh, they're getting word from, you know, someone on social media, and it just snowballs. And then it's on their feed that, okay, the Reds are rebuilding and they're they're having a fire sale. Well, if you call trading away uh, a closer that was making $9 million when you're in um, – you're trying to be smart 
uh, with your budget. Um, and then non-tendering Archie Bradley and Kirk Casale. If you call that a fire sale, then, you know, you need to check into what that truly means. Now, have they gone out and signed free agents? No, they have not. Uh, has the division signed free agents? Absolutely not. That's oh. more shocking than the Reds not signing a free agent. Um, but it just shows you where the game is right now amongst a pandemic. But no, they are not having a fire. As we speak now. They're not having a fire sale. No. Not even close. No, and I think there was a lot of talk this week, and we'll get into this a little bit later on in the show as well, that that there was concern that Luis Castillo had been traded to the Yankees. If the Reds are going to part with somebody like Luis Castillo, they are going to get a huge haul in return. They're not going to trade Luis Castillo. It's not happening. Nick Crawl came out, denied that, and, and I thought Bobby Nightingale pointed this out in his article uh, it was very appropriate with what he said. He goes, very rarely, in fact, hardly ever, do GMs comment on a potential trade situation. Yeah. Nick Crawl came out and shut that down so fast. Yeah. I mean, that, right that, now. That's what I liked. And I said right when the you know he was, I don't want to say elevated, he's in the same job, but he's in charge now since they do not have a president of baseball operations. And I said that he came out and said, yeah, we listen to all players. So I'm going to do my due diligence. Why wouldn't you, if someone calls you on Luis Castillo, it's free to listen. If you yep. want to give me two all-stars for Luis Castillo, of course I got to listen to that. Right. But it drives me crazy that every time the Yankees are interested in a player, it's like their fan base thinks that they everyone should just part the seas and give us that player because the Yankees want that player, doggone it. And I can't believe you asked for Torres in return. That's a pretty fair return. So what are you talking about? So I told you not to get me going on the Yankee thing. It's good. It's it's healthy. Got to let it out. You want a general manager that's going to do his or her due diligence on every player. There's no question. Every player. What else do you have to do in the offseason besides try to improve your roster? And Listening I, is free. I think it's important to know the value of the guys that you have on your roster. Yeah. Part of their value is not just the monetary amount that right. you're paying them. It is what are teams willing to give up for that player? Yeah. Because maybe maybe you can spin a deal that works. Maybe, maybe you do make a trade that nobody really saw coming. You get a good haul in return, and then maybe that can open up a move somewhere mm-hmm. else to right. fill the void that was vacated by that player. The trickle down from moves uh, is is something. It's not always black and white of the move that is made at the time. Uh, but but again, going back to what we were saying to begin with, I, that's not that's not a trade that's going to happen. I don't see that happening, uh, and I think it's very important to when you look at these things, look at at, at Who's reporting it? And look at what's being said a, uh, around it, because yeah. it was pretty apparent right out of the gate that that was a trade that was not happening. So um, it, it, don't get too worked up over some of the rumors, especially if they're not necessarily from the most credible of sources. So uh, that that was something that was pretty fascinating this week. Yeah. Well, I mean, this goes back a, a long ways in baseball. Um, I mean, the hot it's called the hot stove season for a reason the show is named for what it is for a reason because there are so many rumors that are out there in the off season and you try to you know gauge uh well if, if the reds traded for this guy or whatever heck you can go way back i remember when they traded lee may people were like what? how could you trade lee may are you kidding me they traded lou who's joe morgan who's joe morgan who's jack billingham why would they trade lee may the big bopper wow 
you see what happens. So you got to do your due diligence. You got to yeah. listen on every player. And I think that's that's reasonable. Um, if the Reds are to make a move, uh, if they are to make a big addition, I think I said this last week. I, I think you will see uh, a move made to free up the capital to do that. I, I think one move could um, uh, could set up another, if if that makes sense. And uh, Well, you could say the Iglesias move is setting up trying to have the money to sign a shortstop. You could. It is yeah. a glaring, glaring need. They do not, unless you're going to go out there with Jose Garcia, they do not have an everyday shortstop no. right now. I, One of the most crucial positions on the field. So to give up a closer to make room for that, to reallocate funds is what Nick Crawl said. Maybe that is setting up for signing a shortstop. Right now, I think the everyday shortstop, if you were to pick somebody on the roster right now, it'd probably be Kyle Farmer. Yeah. And and I think you have a couple of Kyle Farmer fans right here. Kyle Farmer mm-hmm. is probably not your everyday shortstop if you're a team that's going to compete, not just for the division, but to make a run in the postseason. I, I think he's very good in the role he's in, uh, but he's he's not your everyday guy. And um, I think that's why the Reds will will try to make a move for uh, a shortstop. We've been talking about that a lot over the last few weeks. We will continue to talk about that. Bobby Nightingale will join us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, that topic will come up along with many others. Story time with Aaron Harang when the Reds Hot Stove League continues next. Presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. The Reds Hall of Fame and Museum, presented by Densmore, is proud to present the Johnny Bench Home Run Collection. Each of the 389 baseballs are autographed and numbered by Johnny and delivered in a deluxe display frame with a photo collage and certificate of ownership. Limited quantities remain. Details are available now at RedsMuseum.org. We continue on the hot stove, and we welcome in former Reds pitcher Aaron Harang. Aaron, what's going on, man? How's life? Uh, it's good. It's good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Fantastic. Sun's been actually shining here the last couple of oh, days. He's which in is San refreshing. Diego. That's uh, not new to him. It is. You have no idea what a luxury that is here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the retired life, what have you found in retirement? Uh, what what revelations have you had, and, and maybe something you've realized? Well, I, I I really like doing this. I, I missed this when I was playing. You know, um, I actually now I'm coaching my son's little league team, and actually my uh, my oldest daughter, who played uh, middle school softball the last couple of years convinced me last season um, to actually coach. <laughs> so I, I, I got into uh, coaching softball uh, at the middle school level and then obviously doing little league and, and helping with uh, uh, some of the travel uh, baseball out here in San Diego. The hot, uh, the hot, oh, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> fantasy camp. <laughs> yes. Almost said the hot stove fantasy camp. I'll be all right. Uh, you how how much enjoyment have you gotten out of the, this fantasy camp that you've been a part of the last few years? Uh, I know a lot of the former players look forward to it. I know Corky Miller is a guy that has rounded up the troops, uh, and a lot of former Reds go back. It's a terrific week. Um, how much do you look forward to it, and how much are you going to miss not having it this year in person? It you know it's uh, it's kind of indescribable until you've experienced it, and. 
I know that after the first uh, first year of not playing, once I decided to to be done, um, I know Brett Tomko was he was pushing me and uh, it's like, dude, you got to come out to fantasy camp. And I remember going to Florida early. I'd come down like two weeks early, and I'd catch the tail end of fantasy camp, and I'd watch those guys, man, they're having a hoot and, you know, catching up with some of the, the former players that were coaching. And, um, you know, and so Brett pushed me the one year, and I told him I couldn't do it. And then the next year he was on me um, the whole winter, and I finally said, okay, I'll do it. And now it's like uh, my wife is – told me it's an annual thing on our calendar that that week you're going to be gone. You're going to be in Arizona doing fantasy camp. So it's kind of, uh, it's become one of those things that, you know, it's a, I'm going to do it every year that I can. And uh, yeah, I have a, a blast doing it. It's an annual event would have been uh, getting all, uh, getting kicked off actually this weekend, uh, had it not been for COVID-19 pushback. Uh, it will pick up again next year, but uh, doing some virtual stuff this year with the folks that, that, would have been participating. In fact, you and Brett Tomko uh, next week will be doing a virtual meet the coaches deal. How much fun will that be to team up with Brett Tomko on that? It's going to be uh, a gas, you know, and, and I still see Brett. Brett lives like 15 minutes from me. And so we see each other, um, you know, we go golfing every once in a while. And I know he's got his, uh, his twins as well that are a year older. Um, but I know that he's busy with little league, you know, or trying to, kind of simulate some form of getting kids out on the field to play, um, you know, with the tough restrictions we have out here in California right now. But, uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to have fun. We have a, a great time with the campers. We've made some, some great friends uh, with the campers. You know, I still text with some of them during the off or, you know, in between each year, uh, just checking how they're doing. And, uh, you know, we, we have a gas helping – the Reds Hall of Fame and Aaron Chamberlain and the rest of the crew um, be part of this and, and, you know, have a great time to, uh, you know, make sure, make sure these guys and gals, there's a few gals that are out there, have a fun experience and see what it's like to uh, be out there playing every single day. Well, PNC Bank is on board as the premier partner of the 2022 Fantasy Camp, and we have fingers crossed that that one's going to be in person. I'm fascinated by the end of it fascinated by a lot of things about fantasy camp but um when the champions or the best team faces you former pros what's it like do you pitch what's your velocity who still has it who doesn't um okay well it's not just the champions it's the whole camp okay so there you all, go all, it, it's it is a grueling day for all the pros because it's three innings are basically each, each player gets an at bat. Um, and we, so we play all day. So it's 12 teams, three innings a pop, so 36 innings in a day. Literally starts at like eight thirty or nine in the morning and goes to like three in the afternoon. Wow. A lot of ice, uh, ice baths going on. <laughs> Yo, trust me that by, by day two, we tell the guys, we tell everybody, Hey, Go in the hot tub and and then the cold tub and do the contrast and and usually there's uh, some beers involved with uh, them going into the cold tub because the cold tub is so cold they figure warm the warm the interiors up with some beers but uh, do you still pitch you know, hey, do you do you get on the mountain? I, I did I do actually uh, me and Brett kind of we're we're kind of uh, we Bre- go out there and we let it rip but um, Brett takes it serious we, I know that oh. Well, the, and the last couple of years, so last year we didn't do it because of rain. We got rained out. Um, 
but I ended up throwing against my own team for another team that didn't have any pitching. So, Ooh. yeah, I get it up there. I'll, I'll run it up about 80. Oh, there you go. Uh, nice. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm letting it letting it rip, but mostly fastballs. I don't really throw any breaking stuff unless they ask me, but more times than not, that's going to hurt too much. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just I'll throw fastballs, and then I'll pop an occasional changeup on somebody if they're they start getting a little too comfortable and talking smack. So, uh, but we have a good, we have a great time. It's, it's so much fun. Uh, you know, and I know, um, like John Reedling's out there. He, he'll, he toes it up, uh, Seth Etherton. Um, yeah, you get Corky will jump in there and toss some knuckleballs in there, but, uh, same with, uh, Dimitri and, you know, uh, Joe Price and Hummer and Danny Graves when, you know, they, they all get into it. I think me and Brett kind of, we uh, we really get into it a little bit too much because we actually throw before we even go out there. <laughs> yeah, Tomko like goes through a pitches throwing session for oh, a month to get ready. Uh, uh, we we play some long toss. We play some long toss a few weeks out before we go out there because we know we're going to be picking it up and, and trying to let it rip for those guys. And it's fun, you know. We talk smack to them, uh, you know. But I, I want them to see what it's like. I, I had one guy last year. Um, uh, Rick, he was, I was throwing to him and I jammed him and blew his bat up and, <laughs> and told him, and, you know, I got it. We got him out and I told him to pick his uh, timber wood up and take it back so we can burn it in the fire pit later at the hotel. <laughs> That's great. Well, I was going to ask, which is more gratifying to watch the old timers get out there that know they were never athletes, but are just out there having a good time and, and watching the guys that you can tell were at least in their own right, in their own mind, uh, athletes at one time that are no more but still think they can relive their glory days. Which, which group is more fun to watch? You know, um, it, we just have a gas with all of them. And I'll tell you what, they, I mean, they have more grit in them and more determination and go through more pain. I mean, by, by day three, you see guys walking around with black and blue hamstrings. Oh, so, it's, it's, it's a gas. And the trainers do a great job keeping them out on the field. But, yeah, we've had some bad injuries. Uh, I know we had an Achilles one year. You know, but it's fun to get out there and play with these guys. So. Aaron, certainly appreciate the time. Thanks so much. And uh, look forward to getting back to a regular fantasy camp next year. Yeah, looking forward to it. Aaron Harang sharing some fantasy camp stories with us on the Reds Hot Stove League. Bobby Nightingale, the Inquirer, is on with us when we return. It's the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Sign your son or daughter up for the coolest kids club in all of Reds country for only 30 bucks. Your child can become a Reds Heads Kids Club member and get an exclusive backpack, jersey, sunny gray bobblehead, and free Reds tickets, and access to members-only activities purchased today at reds.com slash kids club. Happy to welcome in our next guest, he writes for the Cincinnati Inquirer. His name is Bobby Nightingale. Bobby, how's life treating you? It's going all right. It's, it's kind of crazy that spring training's a month away. It just feels like kind of snuck up on me a little bit. Well, you mentioned it, so we'll start right there. Is it a month away? I hope so. I mean, all indications say, I mean, there, ha would, there would have to be a negotiation between players and the league to not have it start on time, and I don't think the players have any desire to 
delay a season again. So I, I think it will. No question. Like your optimism, uh, I certainly feel the same way. We talked about that at length last week, that it certainly seems to be headed in that direction. Your dad, uh, Bob Nightingale, wrote an article uh, in the USA Today talking about the likelihood of some rule changes that uh, we saw last year continuing into 2021. Uh, one of those was the continuation of the seven-inning doubleheaders and the runner starting at second base in extra innings. Uh, can you shed some light on on why we expect those two specific rules to stick around? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the seven-inning doubleheader, I think that's kind of the most shocking one just because it's such a big change of the rules, I mean, from a nine-inning game to seven innings. But it, basically it just comes down to, I think, MLB sees – what's happening around other leagues. I mean, college basketball, you have all these games still getting postponed. Uh, NBA is having games postponed. The NFL is getting through their playoffs, but it's almost like they need to prepare just in case, you know, things aren't great in April and May and you have to postpone games. It's better to play seven inning doubleheaders than play nine just in case you have to shut down a team for a week or two. Um, I, I think they're looking at it too, is in like spring training. It'll be an interesting test because like last year, was in July and you had everybody in those camps at their home sites. Now that you'll have everyone in Arizona and Florida, if there's, you know, some positive tests on a team and you have to shut down camp for a week, they didn't really have to deal with that last year, but you have so many more cases these days that, you know, that's probably a bigger possibility. So I think it's, that, that's kind of the main thing behind it. And also for the runner on second base, it's they don't want to play 15 inning games. Then you lose your bullpen for a week or something like that. The way that the pandemic is still spiraling out of control, unfortunately, and it's been a slow rollout of the vaccine, could you see, even though the commissioner has said we're going to start on time, when it comes to the time to jump, and if we're still in the situation we are now, could you see them condensing spring training with that in mind, that if you're having teams shut it down and pitchers having to shut it down and ramp it back up, that is not good for anyone's health. Could you see them moving it back a little bit and condensing it? Despite the see, commissioner announcing they're going to start on time. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could see that as a possibility. I think they're going to do different things. I mean, if you remember at the beginning of July, you remember it was like you, you also had the team split into two camps, like the Reds had half the team in Mason, half the team in Great American Ballpark. But not everyone could work out at the same time. It was like five guys at a time, it was mm-hmm. just pitchers. And eventually you worked your way up to full squad workouts. And I think you could see that where, um, you know, they're not going to invite minor league guys for half for probably the entire time the major league guys are just to prevent any possible contamination that way. And then also you're going to have, I think, a slow phase in where it's going to be like pitchers and catchers are going to be kind of on their own, position players are going to be on their own, and eventually you'll get to full squad stuff as the games get going. But I could see the first two weeks where it's really more individual-based and, you know, the guys are going to be really spread out. You, you guys know the Goodyear clubhouse. I mean, there's no chance uh, – with how many guys that you camp that you could fit everyone with a locker in between. No. So I think you're going to have some guys on the minor league side, and it's going to be a weird spring training with guys not around each other as much as usual. Well, that's what I was going to ask. You, you touched on it there, that the facility as a whole is very big, and the, the people that maybe haven't been to the complex or seen it, uh, there's a minor league side, which is on a completely different side of the building. And the minor league clubhouse is massive because it has to fit all the minor league players basically in the organization. Do you see that being used as a uh, kind of a, a secondary big league clubhouse just to spread everybody out? Or do you know what the plan is for that? Yeah, I haven't heard the plan yet, but I, I imagine that's what it has to be. I mean, just if you're going to invite, say, 60 guys to, to camp, uh, you know, the big league clubhouse, usually you could fit all 60 in the 
the the regular clubhouse, but I think now you're going to have to space guys out one locker with each in between like they did during the season. And if that's, like, if that's the case, you you know, you have half the guys in the main clubhouse and half on the minor league side. And like you said, there will be a ton of space on the minor league side. It will just be a lot different than guys getting to know each other because a lot of them don't know each other if they're new to the team and, uh, you know, everyone's going to be spread out that way. There's going to have to be some changes as well during the games when you go to a spring training game. I mean, it is four and five deep sometimes of the players that are in the dugout. Um, so they're going to have to change around some protocols as as far as that goes as well. Maybe sit some um, players in the stands. If there are fans there, they're going to have to be higher up. So there's a lot of logistics to work out. I wonder if there's going to be more uh, split squad games to be able yeah. to divide up the players more. Have Could you heard be. anything on those? No, but I mean, the main thing I've heard is MLB did send like a memo. I want to say maybe it was late December, early January, early January. So it's after the year. Um, but basically like, MLB was saying, all right, if we're going to start spring training on time, MLB and the, the league and the Players Association still have to negotiate how they're going to handle all those things that you're talking about. Uh, you know, when guys, you know, you can't fill the dugouts like they used to, split squads, how you're going to handle all that, the travel. I wouldn't be shocked if the Reds played the, you know, if you change the schedule a little bit, the Reds can play the Indians a ton, um, you know, just that way, just so to limit travel. And uh, they're both right there in Goodyear. Bobby, so much more we want to talk to you about, but we got to get to a break. Uh, you mind sticking around for a little bit longer? Yeah. Sure. All right, perfect. Bobby Nightingale continues with us as the Reds, as the Reds Hot Stove League continue. Words are hard. Uh, it's all presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League, continuing our conversation with Bobby Nightingale of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Is he on the line? He, he is again. Okay, he someone is, hung up on him. He is again. I, I, uh, names. I, 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 I'm raising my hand. Right. I am that someone. There we go. Hung up. He's Jim Day. I'm Tommy Thraw, and this is Bobby Nightingale. Hi, Bobby. Uh, continuing our chat, I want to go back to the rules for just a second uh, because you, you had, we were talking about the two that look like they will be back uh, for this coming season. That's the seven-inning doubleheaders, uh, the runner at second base, starting an extra innings. Um, do you see that being just this year? Because, as you mentioned, the, the COVID, uh, I guess you could say, risks uh, still exist. Or is that something that we should just get used to and it'll be around for a long time? I could see the runner at second base being a long-term thing. Just, be, just because you know, it seems like every manager, at least that I've heard publicly, said they kind of grew to like it. It's almost a way to add, uh, you know, when there's a universal DH, it's a way to kind of add nationally rules for an inning or two. And also, you know, it shortens games, but, you know, baseball, if you have 15-inning games, fans leave anyway. Uh, so so I, I think it's smarter to do it that way. Seven-inning doubleheaders, I think, is just once COVID, you're done with that. I, I think there's players are still going to want to play nine innings eventually uh, for doubleheaders, I think, stat-wise and all that. All those reasons, I think it still makes sense to go back to those. I would take, you know, I'm not a big fan of split doubleheaders. The day-night doubleheader where you have two gates uh, and you have several hours in between games. I don't, I don't think that does anyone any good, except, you know, on the business side. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, business people out there are screaming at me right now. Um, I kind of grew to like the seven-inning doubleheaders. I actually kind of looked forward to them. I don't know why, and I'm a purist. So I know and Tommy's over there cringing right now. He can't believe the words that are coming out of my mouth, but I kind of grew to like them. Yeah, I mean, I remember I remember us talking in the press box with uh, some people last year during them, and it's almost like just because the starting pitchers matter so much more, 
you know, the games are exciting by the fourth inning. It's almost, yeah, I, I agree with you that it's, to me, it almost solves like a lot of things like pace of play, um, starters going deep into games again. You know, Trevor, Trevor Bauer, I mean, half his starts were in doubleheader settings, and you saw how good he pitched last year. So I, I think it's one of those things that I, I could see it working. I just, it's so hard to sell people on changing a rule like that. Change yeah. is inevitable. It's everywhere in the world. I'm okay with some change. That was just one. Hey, I, I'm, I'm not going to argue. I like the uh, that they didn't they, they went quick. Um, I like the starting pitchy, pitchers going deeper into the games for those. But it just it, it, a baseball game, a major league baseball game, to me should be nine innings. That's just because it changes the whole dynamic. You, you should earn get... sec- on the same token. You should earn second base. Um, different on that, but that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that's, that's, that's maybe uh, next week's show. We'll talk more about that. I, I want to get into some of the things, uh, that you pointed out, uh, in your recent column in the Inquirer, your 10 thoughts on Castillo and, and the, sh- the situation at shortstop for the Reds. So, uh, let, let's start with the trade rumors out there. Are there some trades that you see the Reds making, uh, at some point this off season? I still think there's a chance that maybe like A. Eugenio Suarez could still get traded. I mean, if they have a high asking price on Suarez, Gray, and Castillo's is really high, um, deservedly so. But I, I think those are the guys that teams will see as a difference maker. Like if you're one move away, they're on affordable contracts. Uh, Gray and Suarez I'm talking about. I, I could see a team trying their hardest to do that. Maybe they uh, reach cut the Reds' asking price. Uh, but beyond that, I don't see more than one or anything like that. I think the Reds still want to win next year. I just think Torres is probably the easiest positionally that you could just move Mustakins to third. And, um, you know, with the guys you get back, um, you, you, you could use those guys elsewhere to plug other holes. You're connected. Uh, the things you hear, it, it appears that Suarez would bring them the greatest haul. Am I close on that? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he's, he's hit the second most home runs in the last three years uh, behind Mike Trout. So I, I think if a team really wanted that power, I think the biggest concern, though, is one, that his contract carries him into his mid-30s, I think 33 or 34. Um, so teams are a little bit concerned just about at the end of his contract, maybe he doesn't live up to that part. Uh, and also, um, you know, just the, just the fact he came off a down year. I, th- I think the Reds are confident he'll return. His shoulder surgery before the season, I think, affected him more than he says. Uh, but uh, that does lower the price just a little bit from team's perspective, but I, d- I don't think that changes what the Reds are asking for in I'm, return. I'm sure there's a lot of fans that hear the, the potential of a, a Eugenio Suarez trade and, and hit the panic button. So can you put some folks' minds at ease on, on maybe some benefits that that would have to the Reds trading a guy like Suarez that everybody likes? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it'd be a huge change, but I think it's one of those ways that you can change your offense. Um, you know, you Moustakis still is a power hitter, and he moves to third base. You can add more speed or a contact guy to second base. And also, it frees up, you know, more money to go after a shortstop, which is their ultimate number one thing they've been looking for this offseason, is trying to get an impact every day starting shortstop. Uh, you know, last year, they, if you go by war, they had a 0.1 war at shortstop. So you had a guy that shortstop that could be like a four or five win war guy. I mean, that's automatically four to five wins that you could add to your team. So I I think there's a lot of upgrades you can get if you can uh, use those, use that money elsewhere, but obviously losing Suarez, you lose your best power hitter and a guy who's, you know, you're easily your cleanup hitter in the lineup. Well, there are very few legitimate middle of the order power guys. Uh, I'm not sure. Moustakas or Castellanos would be in that category of the elite ones. So 
When you have someone that is a team-friendly contract who is a legitimate middle-of-the-order hitter, don't as a small market team, don't you hold on to that player? Yeah, I mean, especially as a right-handed hitter, I, I, don't, I don't think I'd if, – I think my asking price would be so high that I don't think any team would match it just for what I think a Eugenio Suarez brings to a lineup. I mean, his, if he's at his best, he's better than any hitter in the Reds lineup than maybe – you know, maybe Jesse Winker can get close to that. But other than that, I think those two are by far at their best. They, they're higher than anyone else. But I think that's what makes it so hard to trade them. And like you said, on a team-friendly deal, it's not like Reds might be in a payroll crunch for 2021, but if their payroll is better in 2022, does it make sense to not have them on your team? Bobby, certainly appreciate the time. Thanks so much. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in Arizona sooner rather than later. Yeah, fingers are crossed. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks so much. Bobby Nightingale from the Cincinnati Inquirer. I will hang up now on Bobby, this time <laughs> intentionally. Thanks so much to uh, Bobby Nightingale. Jim and I will be back to wrap up the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF next on the Reds Radio Network. Wrapping things up on the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. With Jim Day, I am Tommy Thrall. Austin Elmore has been keeping us on the air and keeping everything in order all evening long as he does so well. Did you know about the Reds Rookies Baby Club? It's perfect for fans up to three years old, whether it's a gift or for your little one. The Reds Rookies Club has it all, including a diaper bag, clutch, and your choice between an organic cotton muslin blanket or Tervis Sippy Cup, plus members-only activities, tickets, and more. For additional information, visit reds.com slash fan clubs. I didn't start them young. I love it. That's right. Why not? Absolutely. Uh, I didn't think we were going to get into this today, but uh, you brought it up last segment. You got me all worked up. About and uh, so now we're going to continue the conversation. About and what? That is about the seven inning oh. doubleheaders versus the uh, runner starting I like at second them. base. I don't know why. I like them. I, I, see, I have no problem starting a runner at second base in extra innings because I, I'll tell you right now, I did get tired of, and it, it happens across all levels of baseball. When you get to extra innings, home everybody's just turning it into a home run derby. Yeah. And that's why games last forever. Wow. Be- because when you get when you get into overtime in football or you get into overtime in basketball, those are the most exciting moments of those games. Yeah. Now you got that a little bit with baseball. I don't know why it's not like that with baseball anyway, because as a fan growing up, going to games as a kid, if a game went into extra innings, I was stoked. Right. I loved it because usually it meant the game was a good game. Right. No, I'm on board with it. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm on board with it. I, I There's nothing worse than a 15-inning game. No one stays for it. The crowd leaves. The TV viewers tune out most of the time because it gets too late. So it's, it's not really benefiting anyone. You're messing up your bullpen. You're messing up pitchers' arms. You're messing up travel schedules. It just There's too many negatives that would, uh, you know, it, there's – I, I like it. I like it. And I like the seven-inning doubleheaders. I don't like split day-night doubleheaders. Don't like that at all. Well, I wonder if the seven-inning doubleheaders, say they keep that, does that bring an end to split doubleheaders? Well, they do the split doubleheaders because of rainouts. They, I do, I they used to schedule doubleheaders. So I'm, I'm going back to my days as a child where we used to love the back-to-back games as right. doubleheaders. That's back when they played two-hour and 15-minute games. But, um, yeah. 
We're out of time. That's what that music means. So uh, it's been another fun Reds Hot Stove League. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back at it again next week doing a Hall of Fame roundtable discussion. That should be a lot of fun. For Jim Day, for Austin Elmore, I'm Tommy Thrall. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you once again next week. Also, big thanks to Aaron Harang and Bobby Nightingale from the Cincinnati Inquirer. Good night.